you? Uh, <laughs> I know, awesome, I agree. So, so awesome. Hey guys, uh, if you can find 1 Samuel chapter 15, that's where we're going to end up. I'm going to talk about some other verses, but uh, but that's where we're going to end up. I want you to look at 1 Samuel 15. If you don't know where it is, look at your table of contents, but it's in the, new, in the, in the Old Testament, closer to the front of your Bible. Um, but you can find that uh, first, and then 2 Samuel, so we'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Um, Man, we left off this morning finding out what God's purpose is for all of us when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, right? Do you remember what it is? What's God's purpose for us? To become like who? Jesus Christ. To become faithful like Jesus. To become patient like Jesus. Become loving like Jesus. Jesus. All the characteristics of Jesus Christ, including to be become obedient to God like Jesus. How obedient was, was Jesus to his father? Very obedient. He loved his father. He knew his father loved him. He wanted to obey his father. And remember, we looked at this morning, though. Remember, the Christian life is not about following a bunch of rules. That's not what it's about. So I, just in case somebody maybe got this, that doesn't mean that following God's commandments don't matter. Do you think following the commandments of God matters? Of course it does, because Jesus followed the Father's commandments, and if we want to become like Jesus, we need to follow His. We need to learn how to follow His commandments too. But my point, guys, is this: that that is a product. That's that's something that happens when we're abiding in Jesus Christ. And a lot of people just look at the commandments and go, "Oh, this this is it," and forget about the relationship and the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. The love that we continue to have for Him makes me and will make you desire to follow him and obey him because you love him. Does that make sense? So what about when we don't? Have you been obedient to God as a follower of Jesus? All you guys that are followers of Jesus, have you been obedient to God 100% of the time? No, I haven't either. So when we are disobedient, when we sin, what do we do now as a follower of Jesus? Because remember, if you're not a follower of Jesus, everyone who sins is a what? As a slave of sin. So this is what I actually thought, and we're going to look at this tomorrow morning even more. I thought, well, man, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, what if I sin again? Which I did. Does that make me a slave of sin again? Some people would actually say yes, but the Bible does not say that. I want to make this clear, you guys, and we're going to see it again tomorrow morning. You will never be, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will never be a slave of sin again. Ever. You are a child of God. You have a new master that will always be your master. Now, if you say, yeah, but what if I sin? That just means, that just means you're not acting like who you are now. You're not acting like who you are, which is pretty silly when I, if I don't act like what I am. And there's still something wrong with that. But I want to just make it clear to you guys. You guys, you are a child of God. God will never unadopt you because of your sin. He's never going to go, oh, you know what? Now that's it. That's done. He's committed to you. Remember, he has sent his Holy Spirit to abide in you. Even at times where you decide not to listen to his Holy Spirit as he tries to guide you into the truth. And there's times where we don't. But our relationship with God is definitely affected when we sin. It's not like it's not a big deal. In fact, it's a huge deal when a follower of Jesus sins. 
Now, he doesn't ever, like, unadopt me. He doesn't say, well, now you're not my child. But my relationship with him is affected. It's not healthy. You know what I mean? Like, if I sinned against my real father, my father, and I sinned against him, it's not like he's not my father anymore, but the relationship between us isn't exactly right. No, not until we get everything back in the open and we try to make sure we can, you know, talk about it, fix it, whatever it is. How do we do that with God? Guys, tonight I want to talk to you about a very powerful thing. We're talking about a higher power. I want to talk to you about the higher power of repentance and restoration. Repentance or confession. Confessing our sins is a really powerful thing to do. In fact, you guys, 1 John 1 9, if you want to write it down, 1 John 1 9 says this if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That relationship that's been that's now unhealthy will be restored completely, and God absolutely every time we confess sins, he deals with that sin. He cleanses us. He cleanses us from all of that unrighteousness. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now we're back into fellowship with God. Seriously, I want you to think about that. How incredible is confession and repentance? Otherwise, if you're a follower of Jesus, the first time you sin, we're done. You never have a healthy relationship with God again. But that's not the case, is it? In fact, the Bible says that you can't even out-sin God's grace. If I continue to go to him, even with the same thing, and I confess it to him, and I continue to struggle with it, he's not going to say, PJ, this is the 10th time I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. He's an incredible God that has a way of starting over again with us. That when we confess, we're restored, and he says, let's move on from here. In fact, some of us have a harder time forgiving ourselves than God has forgiving us. Because we think, oh, now I'm a failure. Now it's all over. Now I'll never be anything. And God's going, what are you talking about? You're my child. I have forgiven you. You confess this sin, and now let's move on. And yeah, there might be discipline. There might be discipline because of my sin. Do you know that you can be forgiven and God still might discipline you? I think sometimes you think, well, God, if you discipline, if you forgave me, then you're not going to do anything, right? And he goes, no, 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 I love you. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it actually says that he's like a good father, and a good father disciplines his child. If you're not disciplined, he, that means he doesn't love you. The reason why, he disciplines us, even if we sin, and he says, I forgive you, you confess the sins, you repent it, we are good. But I want to discipline you so you can continue to learn from this to not to not fall into it over and over again. I want to train you to live a righteous life. And he does that through discipline. Does that make sense? But we are forgiven. But here's the question. Here's what I kept going over in my head, and I actually didn't understand for a long time. What is true repentance? What does it actually mean? to confess my sin to God. I'm going to give you a definition, just an overall definition of repentance and forgiveness, just to give us an idea of what it is. Repent means, if you want to write repent, equals this, to change direction. That's what it means. Repent means I'm turning around. and It's like I'm walking this way, and then I do this. I just repented. Now think about what that means with sin. I'm walking this way. I'm living this kind of life. I'm, you know, I'm sinning. I'm doing this. 
And then I go, I want to repent. What do I want to do? I want to turn around and I want to walk a different way. I don't want to continue going the way that I'm going. So it just with repentance. Do you know what this, I, I've had friends with this when I was in junior high, high school. I remember they would sin or something. They were in church and they're like, but I confessed my sin and now I'm good. And then they would just, they didn't even care. They just, so it, it was almost like using God, like some kind of like magical thing about like, hey God, I sinned. But then they just continue to go, well, I'm just going to keep walking this way. No big deal. Is that real repentance? That's just words. Repentance is an attitude that's saying, I don't want to keep going this direction. I see how bad it is. I see what it is. And I want there to be a change, God. I want you to change my heart. I want you to change this in my life. That's repentance. Confess means this. You want to write to confess. That's another word that's being used in the Bible about when we hate, when we deal with our sin. Confess actually means, it comes from a word that means to agree with. So if I'm confessing sin, who am I agreeing with? God. Now, this is huge. Because real confession is looking at my sin the same way God looks at my sin. I'm agreeing with God about how serious this sin is. How do you think God looks at sin? Oh, there's a bunch of ways he looks at it, though, right? But does he say, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. Is, is there any sin that's not a big deal? All sin is a big deal. All sin leads to death. That's how God looks at sin. This is a serious problem. Like, this is really serious. And I think sometimes I look at my sin and I go, okay, I confess it, but I'm not looking at it the way God looks at it. I'm just like, oh, it's not a really big deal, though. Confession is taking a moment and saying, God, I'm going to look at this sin and I'm going to agree with you about this sin. I'm agreeing with you because probably the reason why I sinned in the first place is because I didn't agree with God. I think this sin is okay. Maybe it's going to give me what I want. It's going to give me what I need. It's going to, you know, if I yell at somebody, they usually back down and I get what I want, even though that's sin. And I need to look at it the same way God does. Does that make sense? Okay, so let me give you even a little bit more. I got these three things I want to tell you what, sin, what confession and repentance really is when we have sin in our lives. And then maybe even take some time and put it into practice, but let, we'll see how it goes. In 1 Samuel, did I tell you? 1 Samuel chapter 15, right? Turn there. We're going to look at an example. And there's these examples in the Bible that we can either follow, but there's also a lot of examples in the Bible that we actually can look at and say, this is not how you, how you do it. And I want to look at the difference between King Saul and King David. Do you know who King Saul is and who King David is? They're kings in Israel. King Saul was the first king that God chose for Israel. The first king that they had when they finally got kings. And I don't know if you know this, but eventually Saul was rejected by God as king. And David then became king. And God said, Saul was not the kind of guy that I wanted to have king, but David is. In fact, he even calls David a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine being called that? A man or a woman after God's heart? Pretty incredible. But this is where I kind of get all messed up in my head. Saul was rejected because of certain sin in his life. But get this. I can make a case that David sinned way worse than Saul. 
way worse. We're going to see the sin that, that, that King Saul, the, the, the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, for King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, where God finally says, the kingdom is going to be ripped from you and given to David because of this. And it's not because of the severity of his sin. It's not because he sinned, oh my goodness, well, this is just unforgivable. Oh my gosh, this is a horrible thing that he did. We're going to see what he did. It's not because of that. And David wasn't accepted by God because he didn't sin as much as Saul. Are you getting this? David wasn't a better king because he sinned less than Saul. The difference between Saul and David wasn't how much or how little each one sinned. It's how they dealt with their sin after they were confronted with it. David truly repented when he was confronted with his sin. Saul did a fake repentance in a couple of different ways. Do you know what David did? I'm going to just tell you what, Saul, what King Saul did. King Saul did this. This is the sin that he did. God is going to tell King Saul to go and and take to go to battle with these certain people that are sinful people. They're wicked people. They're enemies of God. And he says, hey, I want you to go and take them all out. And I want you to kill all of them, all of them, not just the soldiers. I want you to kill everybody, including the king. I want you to kill everybody. And I don't even want you to stop there. I want you to kill all the animals, everything. Annihilate. We're gonna. I need them to be completely annihilated. God is a judging God. He judges people when they're wicked. They don't repent. They don't turn to Him. That the people are under the wrath of God, and that's what He tells. He tells King Saul, "I want you to carry this out for me." And King Saul says, "Okay." And you know what King Saul's Saul's sin was? That he didn't kill everybody, and he didn't kill all the animals. That was his sin. Some of us might actually say, well, I mean, now that would have been really hard to do that, right? You know what David's sin was? Or at least one. That's one of Saul's sin. You know what one of David's sin was? He's up on his palace, up on the top of his palace. He looks at all these different houses around his palace that are lower. And on the top of the roofs, they had flat roofs. There were some places where you take a bath or whatever else. And there was this woman, Bathsheba, who was taking a bath on top of her house and he was watching her and then lusted after her, called her in, committed adultery with her, who happened to be one of his best friend's wife. And then to cover up the sin, to cover up the sin, he decided to have the husband killed and then married her really fast so that people would think the child was theirs after they got married. When I just say, oh, what's what? Okay, David is a man after God's own heart. Was he in that moment? No. The difference between Saul and David isn't the severity of the sin, it's how they re reacted, how they responded when they were confronted with their sin. The difference between you walking with God is not going to be because you either do or don't sin a certain way as much, too much, too little, whatever. That's not going to be what does it. It's going to be how you respond to whatever sin you commit when you're confronted with it. 
So what did Saul do that David didn't do? Or the other way around, what did David do that Saul didn't do? Let's look at it. Chapter 15, this is where we're here, King Saul. Look at this. Samuel said to Saul, this is the prophet from God, in verse, verse 1, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. It is now time God had given these Amalekites years and years and years to repent. They never did. And he says, this is it. We're done. The judgment is coming. And then he says in verse 3, Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. I told you already what it was. Go and destroy these people and what? Destroy everything, right? Everything and everyone. So Saul gets his men together. They go out, and I'm just going to go here in verse 7. Later on, it says this, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites on the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, this guy named Agag. He's the king. And he took him, what? Alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Everybody else he killed. But not, but not the king. Usually somebody would not kill a king right away because then they would have some kind of big victory parade and they would have the king out there humiliated and then they would put the king to death later on. So that's probably, he was just doing what the natural culture would say what you do. But it's not what God told him to do. So it says, he took him alive and this is, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best, and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good, all the great cattle and all the great animals he didn't kill. Was that what God told him to do? No. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. They just He just kind of went, he just filtered what God said and says, but this makes more sense. Of course God wouldn't want me to kill all the really good animals. So he kind of just added on. You know, to let the culture a little bit tell him a little bit what to do, kind of how to make it. I'm, I'm basically I'm following God. And then look what happens in verse 12. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone da on down to Gilgal. Saul was actually really proud of himself uh, with this victory. Put up a little monument of himself. And then it says this, when Samuel, look at this, verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Samuel, this prophet Samuel comes up to Saul. Look what Saul does. King Saul does this. He goes, he goes, uh, uh, he goes, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. I did what God told me to do. Aren't you proud of me, Samuel? That's what he says. Isn't it amazing? We think, and we guys, I even look at it and go, man, Saul, what a doofus. What is he doing? Like, of course he didn't do it. You know what? We are way more like Saul than we think. Did you do what God says? Well, basically. What do you mean, basically? Well, you know, most of it. Yeah. Well, nobody even knows the part that I didn't do. 
but he says, hey, I just carried out God's command. So he says, I haven't seen it. Look at verse 14. But Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? It's like this. Saul says, I did everything that God says, and there's a bunch of cattle just right behind him. And Samuel's like, what's the deal with the sheep and the cows? They're supposed to be dead. So the first thing that Saul says, he goes, I didn't really sin. I did everything that God wanted me to do. Then look what he says now. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. The only reason, Samuel, that we kept these ones alive is because we want to sacrifice all of them to God. In other words, this is a there's a good reason why I didn't obey. Does that sound familiar at all in what we try to tell ourselves? There's a good reason. It's not a really big, it's almost like he's saying, Samuel, calm down. Okay, I know what God said, but look, there's a good reason. It's not a big deal. In fact, there's a really good outcome of all this stuff. I mean, we, we defeated them anyway. It's all turning out well, and now we even have this stuff, and I've got even a better idea than God did. And just be able to sacrifice to him. This is not a big deal. Later on, look at look, and Samuel keeps telling him, "What are you doing?" You know, like, like he just says, "Enough! I don't want to hear about it anymore." What are you doing? You're just making excuses. And then look what it says in verse 19. This is Samuel still talking to, to to King Saul. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes and the eyes of the Lord? Now Saul didn't do evil in his own eyes. He, thought, he did what he thought was right. But that doesn't matter. It matters how God looks at it. What does God say is right? And look what he says in verse 20. He's still saying the same thing. Look what he says. What does he say? But I did obey the Lord. Can you imagine Samuel? What would you be doing if you were Samuel right now? Are you kidding me? Are you not listening at all? Do you, like, are you blind? And he goes, I went on a mission. The Lord assigned me. Hey, check. I went on the mission. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to the God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Look, we've already gone over this, Samuel. There's a good reason why I didn't do every single little thing that he said, but it's, it's all good. It's, there's no big deal. Why are you doing Why are you making a big deal out of this? And then it says this, look what Samuel says in verse 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? The answer is no. God cares about obedience. He doesn't care about you deciding to do what you need to do to make up for whatever you didn't do. He says, I just want you to obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. And then he says this, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance is like the, like the evil of idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. He says, look, Saul, you're saying it's not a big deal. Look, here's the deal. Your disobedience is just like worshiping another God. What? Well, it's not the same as that. Somebody over here actually said like all sin, God actually sees all sin as equal. This is what we do, you guys. We see some sin as not as bad as other sin. That's what we do. 
We end up going, oh, no, I know I've sinned here, but it's not like I did this. It's not like I did that. It's not that bad. It could be a lot worse. And Samuel says, you don't understand. The sin that you committed is like worshiping a false god. It's like going and asking false gods to do your bidding. That's the same. And then, after he says that, then look what Saul does. He's still not done. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. What does it look like now? Okay, finally, right? Finally. And then he says this. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Who does King Saul blame for his sin? All the other guys. I did sin, but it's not my fault. It's just not my fault. It's all the pressure that I had from all these other people. And that's why I sinned. And you would too, if you had all that pressure too. That's how Saul, King Saul, dealt with sin. It wasn't the amount of sin. It wasn't how big the sin was. It wasn't how little the sin was. It's how he responded to sin when he was confronted with it. When David was finally confronted with his sin that I told you about, do you know what he, and it was a different prophet, Nathan, who came to him and said, you have sinned. Do you know what David said? He said, I've sinned. And I've sinned against God. Period. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to say, well, that was Bathsheba's fault too. I mean, she shouldn't have been on the roof like that and stuff. You know, she tempted me. He didn't say that. He said, it's all my fault. He actually wrote a psalm, a song that everybody sang. He wrote a song so everybody else could see, and he wanted to let everybody know that he sinned and that it was a big deal, and it was really all his fault. Totally different than King Saul. David wasn't a man after God's own heart because David never sinned. David was a man after God's own heart because he understood what repentance really is. And he lived a life of repenting whenever he did sin. So I want you to write this down. This is true repentance. You want to write it down. Real repentance, real confession, whatever word you want to write down. This is what it is. And I want us to really think about this with any sin in our lives. Remember what sin is. Thinking or saying or doing anything that's different than how God wants us to think, say, or do. And real repentance is looking at times that you know that you've been thinking something that's not the way God wants you to think. You know you've been speaking the way you talk or what you've been saying is not the way that God would want you to speak or not what God would want you to talk about. Or what you've done and what you've been doing, even if you're the only one who knows you're doing it, you know it's not the will of God for you to do what you've been doing. Okay? And with those things, that you would do these three things. You would say and mean, you would mean this. Number one, this is sin. Write that down. This is sin. Guys, I just want to make sure. This is sin. This is not, well, I made a mistake. Well, you know, I kind of didn't. Let's not do what Saul did. You know what? 
This is sin. And it's not sin because I think it's sin. And even if everybody around me, around me doesn't think it's sin. And you know what? When I have been thinking this way, and this, this is the way I think, but everybody thinks this way. You know what? I do talk like this, but everybody else talks like this too. I do speak about this, or I do gossip, or I do talk about it, or do, I do, you know, tear down people, or what I'm doing. Yeah, I am saying these certain things, and I'm speaking this, but you know what? Everybody else is doing it to me too. Is this normal? I'm not saying it's sin. I'm saying, well, it's just a mistake. I'm basically doing okay. This thing that I'm doing, oh, it's not really, you know, is it really sin? Is it really sin? I mean, all our culture, the culture around me doesn't say that it's sin. How can it be sin? I don't understand why it's sin. Are you willing to say it's sin because God says it's sin? And really say it's sin. That's the beginning of repentance. But some of us have not repented yet because we can't even say yet. We haven't decided to say that about what's going on in our lives. We're still saying, really sin? I don't think it is. And we're just like King Saul. So will you say, this is sin? The second thing, does it end there, you guys? This is the second one. Say this and mean this. This, write this down. This is a really, underline really, big deal this is a really big deal do you remember what Saul kept saying Samuel just calm down it's not that big of a deal Something good will come out of this. It's not like it's really hurting anybody. It's not like it's really doing anything. It's not, it's not as bad as if I'm doing this. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I hope it's okay that I tell you this. I, I, it's, it's good for me, and you'll find out at the very end of today why, why it is. But there, is, uh, there was a sin in my life that I had hidden forever. And I kept telling myself lies about this sin. And it was pornography. And I kept saying, one of the things that I kept saying that kept me from true repentance was I kept saying, well, it's not like I'm actually doing something with somebody else. It's not as bad as if I actually commit adultery. And I was never going to be able to truly repent from that sin as long as I kept saying, well, it's not as big of a deal as this. It's just as big of a deal. And I'm not saying like that's the only sin that all of us struggle with. Like, I'm not saying like there might be somebody else you're going, you just hit me. But guys, there's ways that we think. We just think about it. We just think there's things that we say and we talk about the way that we speak. And we really say, I know it's sin. You don't have a problem with that. I know it's, I know it's sin, but it's not a big deal. Will you think of the worst sin that you can possibly think of? Can you think of that? Think of the worst sin you can possibly think of. Now, think about that sin that you do not think is a big deal. And if you want to truly confess and agree with God, you need to look at your sin as just as bad as the worst sin you can think of. 
incredible that James says this in James chapter 2. He says, forever he keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Not obeying God in one area is just as bad as not obeying God in the worst area. Do you know why? Because all sin, every sin leads to death. All sin is serious. All of it. Are you willing to just go, this is sin, and finally say, this is a really big, I don't care if my friends say it's not a big deal. I don't even care if, if, if my culture says it's not. It is. It's a really big deal because God says it's a big deal. All sin is a big deal. Don't be like Saul. And I'm speaking to myself. I tell myself all the time, yeah, I sin. it's not as big of a deal. And, and, and God has to remind me, that's a lie. The third one, write down this. And it's all my fault. That's the third one that we have to finally get to you guys, because some of us will, some of us will finally say, this is sin. Okay, yeah, 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 I know it's sin. And finally get to a point where you go, this is a really big deal. This sin leads to death to, my, to either me or other people, but it's not This sin actually does make my relationship with God unhealthy, and that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And then we say, but it's not all my fault. If my parents just weren't like this, I never would be doing this. If my sister or my brother wouldn't be do, being the way they are, because they're really terrible, I wouldn't do what I'm doing. If my friends weren't so influencing me all the time, like, like King Saul said, all those other guys, they just kind of pressured me into doing it. And so somehow something inside of us wants to say, yeah, it is sin. Yeah, it's a big deal. But it's not all my fault. It's, also, it's at least partly their fault. And your sin is your sin, not somebody else's. Their sin is their sin. But your sin and my sin, my sin is my sin. It's not somebody else's fault. And I need to finally humble myself and be, honestly, even be courageous enough to say, this is sin. Look at those three things. This is sin. This is a really big deal. And this is all my fault. That's true repentance. Some of us, maybe you can even circle the one that you go, this is the one I have a hard time saying. Just circle the one that's hard for you. You know, I would circle number two. That'd be me. What is it? You guys, I know that not all of us are followers of Jesus, but if you are a follower of Jesus, I know you want your relationship with God to be what it needs to be, the healthiest it can be. And you guys, it cannot be healthy unless we have true a true life of repentance, that when the Holy Spirit reveals things in our lives, and he does, brings it to our mind, and we know that either what we just said or what we've been really dwelling on in our, in our minds or what we've been doing, we know it's sin, that we would just respond truthfully and honestly and humbly and just go, this is sin. This is a really big deal. I'm not going to make excuses. It's all my fault. I want to look at this the way you do, God. And I'll take your discipline. If God disciplines you for that, you will actually be 
you will actually be okay with the discipline because you understand how tough that sin is and how destroying that sin is. And you're going to go, God, if it, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, weed this out of me. Whatever it takes. Because I don't want to continue on this. I want you to train me in righteousness. And we'll accept his discipline. And that's what David did. David was disciplined after he was forgiven. He said, this is sin. This is a really big deal. It's all my fault. And God said, you're forgiven. But his entire rest of his life was filled with discipline for that sin. But David didn't go, oh, come on, God. Why you didn't? I thought you forgave me. David said, thank you. I need that so I can be trained to live a more righteous life. Make sense? Guys, let's do something. Let's just do it right now. And I know that not all of us are followers of Jesus in this room, so I'm going to ask you to do something, a huge deal. Will you please just respect this time? Respect what we're about to do. So I know it might be tough for you, but if you're not going to participate, would you just respect everybody else that is? And I'm going to ask all of us to take a moment. And in Psalm 139, it says, it, David actually writes, God, will you examine my, will you examine, examine me and show me if there's any wickedness in me? Will you just show me? Bring it to my mind. Do you remember what the Holy Spirit does? He will bring things to your mind. If there is something to bring. So I want us to take just a moment, you guys. We're up here in the, in the mountains. Let's just take a breath, take a moment, and just take a minute. And will we just examine our own minds and our hearts and our lives for any sin that we need to confess, that we need to repent of, either in the way that we think, the way that we speak, what we do. Will you do that? Let's just do that right now. Close your eyes, bow your heads. That way you're not distracted by anybody else. And will you please don't distract anybody else during this time. And take a breath. And then right now, quietly, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God to show you if there is some unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life that you're going, I need to say this is sin. I need to really look at it. I've been saying it's not a big deal, but it is. And I've been blaming other people, but it's not anybody else's fault. My sin is my fault. And would you just silently right now tell God that? God, we, uh, and if you keep on praying, you just keep praying silently to God right now if you're still dealing with something. But God, I just want to pray for all of us. I was just thinking of a couple of things in my life, and I confess to you, I, I have some pride. You're just revealing it to me, and it is sin. And it's a big deal, and it's all my fault, not somebody else's. God, I, uh, I can think of a way that I spoke to my wife this last week. I was so defensive and didn't really think about her first. And that's sin. And that's a really big deal. And it's all my fault, not hers. God, I uh, pray that we would be way more like David than we would be like Saul. We'd remember Saul as a bad example, as an example about how to not do it and just do the opposite of him and just be honest and just be open and not defensive and be humble about any time that we sin. 
And as much as we would confess it to you, that we would even confess it to other people if we've sinned against others, that we would go to them and say, I've sinned against you. And that's a really big deal. And it's all my fault. Will you forgive me? And God, if somebody comes to us, that we would show the same grace that you show us and we would give forgiveness to somebody else the way you forgive us forgiveness. Because every single one of us, God, right now, if we truly have confessed those sins, you don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> it's unbelievable that we are completely restored and you say, let's just go on from here. And God, if you need to discipline us, because we're confessed, that's okay too. We welcome that if it's what's best for us. We want to live a life that just includes repenting of sin that we've committed. So our relationship with you can be healthy. We can stay connected to you and bear fruit in more and more areas of our lives to look more like Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Guys, before you go, there's a verse in the book of James it's at the very end of the book of James and it says this not only confess your sins to God but take time in the body of Christ to confess your sins to one another it says so that you can be healed so other people can pray for you you're not going to confess your sins to other people just so they can just know something going on in your life it's so that someone else can pray for you and pray with you you guys are about to go into your so what time, right? I want you, I want to challenge you to do this, to go around in your circle and share with the other people what you just dealt with with God. And then the rest of us, each for each person who shares, the rest of us pray for that person.